Thank you, Sharon, for that lovely song to get us started. We at First Church would like to welcome you, our guests and radio listeners here this morning. We're blessed that you could be a part of our worship service as we focus our attention on praising our risen Lord here for the next hour. As you can see, Pastor Kim is here this morning, filling in for Pastor Joel. Pastor Joel and Jojo are sick. We pray for their quick recovery, but we are blessed that Pastor Kim can lead us here in our service this morning, which I'm sure came on short notice. So thank you for coming and and filling and being with us today. With uh, Pastor Joel being sick, there will be no Bible study on Revelations in the Ministry Center at 1015 today. That class will resume next Sunday. Uh, Ordination of elders and installation of deacons and trustees will be done next week. Confirmation students, uh, I believe Dave Bumbar is teaching your group um, after worship service, so that is still on. Wonderful Wednesdays begin soon, March 4th. We're looking for classroom help and someone to lead games for the kids program. See Pastor Joel or call the office for more information. There's other announcements in the bulletin, so please look over those. But uh, next we have the call to worship. So if you would rise for the call to worship this morning, which is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 31-39, and that is titled, More Than Conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all. How will he not also do along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And now we'll have our praise song, Reckless Love.
unending, reckless love of God. Next we'll have children's chat. Will the children come forward? Please extend some warmth to those near you. You guys might want to come over here a little closer. I got something kind of yummy. What do I have? A cake. I had a big cake this week. I had a birthday cake this week. Thank you. Now, what is this? If this was a birthday cake, what's it missing? Candle. Candle. I only brought one because I think there's a fire code. If I put all mine on there, should I put them right in the middle of the carrot? Awesome. Now, that candle usually tells you what? How many years you are. Who's, who's got a birthday coming up? You do? When's your birthday? February 1st? Sharon have one? Oh, guess who gets the cake? All right. But you know, no matter how short your life is or how long your life is, it's really, really important to live our life for God. Now, what's missing yet? There's something missing. The light. Oh, And this is why I couldn't put 70 on this little cake. Let's see. Let's light it up. Huh? Watch. See if we've got good matches. Oh, we do. How do you like that? Woo! Now, a candle doesn't do much good unless we light it, right? Okay. Otherwise, the cake's just kind of boring, isn't it? But the Bible wants us and tells us that all Christians should show their light, shouldn't they, huh? That means that our lives should be filled with the desire to show everybody else the love of Jesus. Because Jesus is the brightest love of all, isn't he? That's right. So we'll blow the candle out for safety. Okay, who wants to blow the candle out? Whoa. Real big blow. Well, I could have used you the other night. All right, now what is next under the candle? What is this on top? Frosting. Oh, yummy, yummy, yummy. Everybody wants a taste, don't they? No, I don't know if Sharon wants all your little fingers in there. (laughs) Our lives are filled with sweet things, too, aren't they? But it looks so pretty. It's got a carrot on top, and it's got little things like little flowers around the outside edge. Now, if I go and cut it, what happens to it? It doesn't look as pretty. It's broken. Boo. Sometimes life's that way, isn't it? It looks all pretty and sweet, and then sometimes something comes along and messes it up. But who's there for us? Jesus is there for us, isn't it? You know, he can see through Jesus. He can show us all the good times and things that we have to be blessed, blessed with. Now, under 
The icing is what? Cake. Have you ever had a bad cake? It looked really pretty on the outside and icky on the inside? No? This one, does that look yummy? It's got carrots in it. Ooh, mm. But you know what? Underneath all of it, we can look inside, and it looks beautiful on the inside, and it could be a mud pie on the inside of that. Would that be gross? That would be pretty gross, wouldn't it? But you, if you only look at the outside, that doesn't really tell us what's going on in our heart, does it? No, and Jesus wants us to show what's on in our heart. And we can show everybody what is exciting in our heart. So others might know his love and everything. So next time you have a birthday cake, and we we share in happy birthday, that you think about that. The candle is the light of the world. You can show about Jesus through that. Through the sweet things of life, sometimes there's things that get broken. Don't drool on my cake. And, (laughs) And the cake... The inside is what really, really counts when God looks at the inside of us. So let's say a prayer, okay? Dear Father in heaven, please give us the ability to shine your love through us to everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Lost in our service in Kansas, Command Sergeant Major William A. Ramsey, 48, from Richmond, Virginia. In Virginia, Logistics Specialist 3rd Class Catherine Mary Thire, 24, from Hudson, New Hampshire. In Guam, Naval Air Crewman 3rd Class Daniel Perez, 22, from California. In California, Lance Corporal Matthew Adams, 19, from Orem, Utah. In Antarctica, Staff Sergeant George Gertler, 37, from Albany, New York. In California, Captain Kevin A. Larson, 33, from Spokane, Washington. And in Australia, Lieutenant Colonel Ian Macbeth, 44, from Great Falls, Montana. Let's pray together. Gracious God, because you're holy, we seek to be holy. Help us to be bold in your name. Let us not live in fear, fear of failure or fear of setback or fear of anything. But allow us to acknowledge our fear and focus our attentions and our efforts on serving you and serving our neighbors. For all that we do that benefits your children also glorifies you in your name. 
Heavenly Father, this morning we would pray for authentic faith. We pray for faith that will empower us to seek you always. We pray for faith that will give us the energy to love our neighbors, however best we can with the gifts that you've given us. Help us, O God, not to lean on an intellectual faith, but a faith that comes out every day to do what we can do to love others and to lift your name. We long for the day when you make all things right, Lord, when perfect justice is meted out, when every broken thing is fixed, when the entire creation functions the way it was made to function. May that day come quickly. Until then, send grace, Lord, free, undeserved help and strength and protection. Our reach is too short. Our strength is too small. Our intelligence is too low. And let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. All this we would pray now in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If the ushers will come... No, we're going to sing. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. I'm sorry.
ushers will come forward, we'll receive the morning offering.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with the sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come quickly. For Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to to Demalta. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. It's a little. It's a little tough. Um, you read that. You read the opening praise at the beginning from Romans eight, and as he was doing that, I thought, "Okay, I got to change my whole sermon." <laughs> you all need to go home. I just want to say this, and then we'll get to what I was planning on talking about. You all need to go home, and you need to look at the tail end of Romans eight again, and you need to read it. And you need to you need to memorize it. It may be one of the most powerful things that Paul ever said. And I, I don't always get the words exactly right, but he says at the end in 38 and 39, he said, "For you know, for I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things seen or unseen." And he lists all this stuff, and then he says, "Nor anything else in all creation will be ever be able to separate us." From the love of God. That may be the most powerful thing that Paul said in all of his writings. And for years, when I preach on that, I've been paraphrasing it. And I've been, I've been saying to the congregations that I'm speaking to, okay, uh, here comes Pastor Kim's paraphrase. Now pay attention to this. Cause this is life changing. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you are now. Doesn't matter what you're doing now. God loves you. And so often we get caught up in that thing about, well, I've lived a miserable life and there's no way that God could love me. Wrong. Paul says that he's convinced 
He is convinced that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from God's love. Do you understand how powerful that is? Do you understand how powerful that is? There's nothing we can do that can make God stop loving us. Now, if we're in a bad place, that doesn't mean we're supposed to continue to stay in that bad place. But the point is, there is nothing that we can do that will make God stop loving us. That's the gospel, folks. That's the amazing message of the grace of God. So that's what I was thinking. I, I've changed the whole sermon. No, I'm not going to do that. How many, how many of you know who Demas was? He does. He's got his hand up. He's got it. That's good. That's good. That's good. You read, you read anything about him lately or heard anything? Seen anything on Channel 7 News about Demas? Demas who? Did you hear? It was mentioned at the tail end of the scripture lesson this morning. My sermon title is, What's Up with Demas? Demas was a member of the Apostle Paul's ministry team. And when Paul wrote to Philemon, he said this. He said, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. Note carefully. Paul calls Demas a co-worker. That indicates to me rather clearly that Demas is in pretty good standing with Paul. But, but the interesting thing is about five years later, after he wrote Philemon, he now sends another letter. And this time he sends the letter to Timothy. And that's what we part of what we read. And the report about Demas now suddenly is not very good. The Apostle Paul is writing from his jail cell in Rome. And it's winter because we know it's winter because later on in this chapter he asks Timothy to bring him his coat. Verse 13 of, of 4 of Second Timothy says, When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. So it's winter. Paul needs his coat. It's cold. So we know that. But that's not why he's writing. He writes to young Timothy to say that there's a problem. And Paul's not writing about the problem of his jail sentence. Not at all. What Paul's doing is saying, Timothy, I got a problem with Demas. Listen again to those last couple verses. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas... Because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Within about five years of time, Demas has deserted Paul. Demas is gone. This young protege that Paul's been carrying with him all over the land is now suddenly gone. He's jumped ship, we would say, and he's gone off to Thessalonica. And from the tone of what he's saying here, clearly Demas did not leave with Paul's permission. Paul was in prison, and it was getting close to his time of execution. And Demas could have been of useful help to Paul, but Demas left 
for Thessalonica. But it's not just, it's not just a simple, he left. The word Paul uses is deserted. Demas has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And interestingly enough, that's the same word that Jesus used on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To forsake somebody is a terrible thing. To forsake the Apostle Paul when he was in prison and was facing execution for his faith was especially terrible. What happened? What happened with Demas? Well, Paul gives us an insight. He says, Demas, here it comes, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas loved the world. So what's the big deal about that? That's not all bad, isn't it? Didn't Jesus, didn't John say in his gospel, God so loved the world? So what's wrong with loving the world? Well, if we're going to understand that, we need to understand how the word world is used with several different meanings in Scripture. The word world in the Bible can refer to the created world, or it can refer to lost people. It can also refer to the world system under the influence of Satan. Now listen to what is said in the first letter of John according to the message version. I like the message version here. This is what John says in chapter 2, 1 John. He says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So Demas's problem was that he became enthralled with the ways of the world. If we wanted, if we wanted to express it another way, we, we, might, we might say that he got caught up in a syndrome that's, that's described by the 1989 song by the rock group Queen. Any of you remember the rock group Queen? Yeah? Nodding your head, yeah? Well, they, they explained Demas' problem. Here's what they said. Here are some of the, some of the lyrics. Adventure seeker on an empty street. Just an alley creeper, light on his feet. A young fighter screaming with no time for doubt, with the pain and anger, can't see a way out. It ain't much I'm asking, I heard him say. Gotta find me a future. Move out of my way. Here it comes. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. How does that I want it all, I want it now idea strike you? Does that offend you? Anyway, 
things got a little tense with Paul's situation with the executioner being near, and Demas took off because he wanted it all. He was in love with the world. Well, we can't, look, we can't really be too hard on Demas because the Bible is filled with all kinds of stories of people who took off. And the church suffers from the same problem today. Did you ever think about, did you ever wonder how many Demases have fled from churches in the world today? They're there for a little while, and now when the requirements of real service are pressed on us, and the work cries out for committed people and a committed purse, they're gone. And then we hear those words of warning from the first letter of John, for us not to love the ways of the world. Each day we are faced with decisions which give evidence as to whether we love the world or whether we love the the Lord. The love that Demas had for the world is oftentimes just like the love that we have for the world. Maybe, Maybe it would be good for us to take a look at ourselves, to to examine ourselves and see if we're having the same problem that Demas had. What, what kind of things would we look at if we were going to examine that? Well, first thing we might look at is cravings. What kind of things do we crave after or hunger for? What are the things that we believe that we cannot possibly live without? How about that phrase, chocolate is to die for? course, we don't usually take that literally, do we? But it conveys an idea. If we don't get that new whatever it is, I'll just die. The cravings of the flesh can become all-consuming. In fact, they can become so strong that we feel like there's no hope to overcome them. Folks, there are, there are all kinds of addictions in the world today. From drugs to bigger cars to bigger and more, bigger homes to stronger incomes to on and on and on. All kinds of addictions. And the good news is that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, tempted to give up cravings of the flesh, he responded with these, to give in to cravings of the flesh, He responded with these words. It is written. Remember what he said? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. As followers of Christ, we need to understand that our purpose in life is not to satisfy our cravings. Our purpose is to do the will of the Heavenly Father. If we're taking a look at ourselves, maybe we ought to take a look at covetousness. We could describe that as the desire to have everything that we set our eyes on. You know, of course, don't you? You all know this. A 19-inch color TV is simply not adequate anymore. Even if it works. 
And the home theater guy will sell you an LCD plasma large screen wall mount TV with surround system that will make you feel like you're in the middle of all of the action. Got to have it. Got to have it. And after all, the Super Bowl is coming up when? Next Sunday. You only got a week. You better You better get out there and get that big TV so that you can actually feel like you're in the Super Bowl. We've come to believe that the grass is always greener on the other side. And we need to do whatever we need to do to get to the other side. The problem is that the other side is never good enough. What's on the other side never really lives up to its billing, and so we're left empty, and we covet even more. Some of you know this story. One of the richest men in the world, John D. Rockefeller, he was asked once, how much money is enough? Do you remember what he said? Anybody remember? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. See, we know that if we go just once to the casino, or if we play the lottery one more time, we're going to hit it big and all our financial worries are going to be over. James, the brother of Jesus, said something very interesting in the fourth chapter of James. Interesting book, James. He said, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? And he was talking to the church. He was saying to people in the church, look, you, you, you fight and you quarrel about things. You don't, now that, that never happens in the church today anymore, does it? I mean, we've, we've never, ever, ever had any kind of a quarrel or a disagreement in this church, ever. Ever. People have never disagreed with each other. <laughs> he says, what causes the fights and the quarrels? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough language. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, if we're doing this self-examination thing and looking at ourselves and where we are, we could also look at cockiness as we examine ourselves. We can call this boasting. At its core, cockiness is really about pride. We've all experienced folks who exhibit this cockiness. They boast about two things, material possessions and personal accomplishments. Well, you you know, you tell me you did so-and-so, but when I was your age, you should have seen what I did. It was a whole lot greater than what you did. Ever heard anybody like that? Take a look at me. I'm pretty special. As much as we don't like to talk about this pride issue, the Bible has some clear warnings. And it says in Proverbs, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. If we've been blessed with possessions, 
and we've been blessed with position in life, we have to be careful not to put our confidence in them. Because verse 17 tells us that they won't last. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. So here's, here's an interesting question for us to think about. If we've lived our lives only for the things of this world, what are we going to have at the end of our life? Demas got caught up in and fell in love with the glitter of worldly things. He decided that he would rather serve the world than serve the one who made the world. Demas was gone. But he really didn't desert Paul, did he? He deserted the Lord. And we know what this is about, don't we? It's not really about Demas or about Paul. It's about us. The Lord has need of us for some mission. Or the Lord is calling us to go out and do some act of kindness. Or the Lord wants us to go out to someone and share our faith. And we may be off in Thessalonica somewhere. Jesus has been calling us, but we've been hanging up. And maybe we felt what some would call the nudge. You know, have you had that nudge of God in your life? And we just won't respond. Jesus is singing a love song to us, but we love somebody else. We love the world. Maybe, folks, it's time to pick up the phone and answer the call. Maybe it's time to come home. You know, there's a great hymn of the church. And we could probably all sing it because we probably all know the words. It goes like this. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? Pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. Time is now fleeting. The moments are passing. Passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering. Deathbeds are coming. Coming for you and for me. Oh, for the wonderful love he's promised. Promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. And then you know how it goes. Come home. Come home. You how are weary, come home. You can sing that with me. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, 
Come home. You know what we can't allow to be said of us? We cannot allow it to be said of us. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Bob or Sally or Bill or Ted or Mary, because he or she loved this world, has deserted me. And they've gone off to Thessalonica. I believe that God has a call on each one of our lives. God calls us to some ministry. That's why you're part of the body, folks. That's why you're here. You've got a call to ministry. It may be as simple as making a phone call this afternoon to somebody who's shut in that you haven't seen in a long time and saying, how are you? We're concerned about you. We care about you. We love you. It may mean doing some work project, some ministry project. It may mean teaching a Sunday school class or a Bible study. It may mean being up here and singing in the choir. But God has a call on each of our lives for ministry. Don't let anybody ever say that there's a report that says, do your best to come to me quickly because whomever loved the world and has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you you call us out. You have a call on our lives. You desire that we serve you. You call us to do ministry, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel. And we confess to you this morning, so often we get tied up with all the things of the world. Help us, Lord, to understand. Help us to know what Paul said when he said there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Help us to know how great your love is, and then help us to respond when you put out that call for our lives. Amen. We're going to sing hymn number 371. How appropriate is this? We didn't even talk about this. Have thine own way, Lord. What an appropriate hymn to close with.
as we as we go out now, remember, remember to keep Pastor Joel in your prayers. Um, Connie and I talked on Friday a little bit, and she wanted to know if I could come, if Pastor Joel would agree that he wasn't going to be able to preach. And after we talked a little bit, I said, Connie, I said, it's time for an executive decision. He's got no business being there Sunday morning. He doesn't need to bring his illness to the rest of the congregation. And he was going to preach today on rest for revitalization. <laughs> he's not preaching on it. He's practicing it. And you know what? Sometimes pastors need to do that too. So keep Pastor Joel in your prayers. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.